0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Chiara Tefano, welcome to the AA Live Radio Show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous programme. It's great to have you here with us this evening. Gosh, I have had a crazy runaround day today. So it's nice to sit down, have a bit of time out and think about recovery, I suppose. Look, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a service which involves recovering alcoholics supporting other alcoholics that want to stop drinking. We uh, work together through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We go to meetings, we catch up for the odd coffee date... And uh, we, um, well, we get sober, surprisingly so. (laughs) Uh, Not surprising at all, I tell you what. It's the best life I've ever had being sober. Um, Didn't realise it could be this way. Now we open our AA meetings with the Serenity Prayer and uh, I'm going to do that with you this evening. And we read a preamble as well. So I'm going to do all of that. We'll start that off from there. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, our little AA preamble gives you a good idea about what we're all about. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And that's exactly what's happened for me. So I'm a very lucky person. Now I just want to let you know too that anything I talk about this evening, it's all about my opinion, sorry. It is not the opinion of AA as a whole. So just letting you know that so you might hear me say something and think that's pretty terrible. But uh, that'll be me. Okay. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Now I am going to introduce the daily reflection for today. Now we read this each day at our meetings as well. So there's one for every day. It's a little book that gives us a little bit of guidance through our day. So attraction, not promotion. Through many painful experiences, we think we have arrived at what that policy ought to be. It is the opposite in many ways of usual promotional practice. We found that we had to rely upon the principle of attraction rather than of promotion. That's from a little booklet called The Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions. While I was drinking, I reacted with anger, self-pity and defiance against anyone who wanted to change me. All I wanted then was to be accepted by another human, simply as I was, and curiously, that is what I found in AA. I became the custodian of this concept of attraction, which is the principle of our fellowship's public relations. It is by attraction that I can best reach the alcoholic who still suffers. I thank God for having given me me the attraction of a well-planned and established program of steps and traditions, through humility and the support of my fellow sober members i have been able to practice the way of aa life through attraction not promotion so that gives something to ponder a little bit i must say when i read that this morning i thought i thank god for having given me the attraction for me it's about my higher power and that's one of the things about aa is it's not a god-related program it's actually about a higher power so it has got a spirituality in it but it's not about well, actually it's whatever you want it to be your God your higher power whatever uh, for mine it isn't a God but hey that's what it's all about now I'm going to give you a little bit of a song so enjoy this this one was actually chosen by uh, our youngest member of AA that I know that comes into the fellowship so I hope you enjoy
1: Mama told me go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was 7 years old It was a big big world but we thought we were bigger Pushing each other to the limits we were learning quicker 11 smoking herb and drinking burning liquor never rich so we were out to make that steady bigger once i was 11 years old my daddy told me go get yourself a wife or you would be lonely once i was 11 years old i always had some friends or you will be lonely Once I was seven
0: years old Once I was seven years old I do love that song. It's a lovely one. You know, I was just thinking about that while I was listening to that, that daily reflection that I read and I, I just wanted to say, you know, one of the reasons that I do this amazing radio show is because other alcoholics in the fellowship, they introduced me to, well, they introduced my sobriety to me, you know, through my sobriety steps. They've, they've given it to me. It was pure attraction that brought me in here. Uh, you know, the reading was about attraction, and uh, for me, I hope that... Sometimes when you're listening, if you're out there listening to this, that you think, "Yeah, I might just come in and give it a go." You know, it, uh, I honestly have a life today that I am truly grateful for, and I'm grateful that I can do service and come and do this. Anyway, I found something in the AA literature the other day that I'm keen to read to you, uh, and that is also based on attraction. It's called "You Are Not Alone." If you think you have a drinking problem, if you suspect that drinking may be one of your problems, then you will read the stories of women who once thought and felt as as you do in this pamphlet. Different as each is from the other, they all finally reached a point where they had to recognise that alcohol was seriously affecting their lives. The word alcoholic may disturb you. To many people it suggests weakling or outcast. But that's not true (laughs) I'll always remember my first meeting I didn't understand what an alcoholic was I sort of like deep down I knew I had a problem but I wouldn't believe it I was in complete denial there's 15 questions in the front of this uh, pamphlet and this literature that I'm reading today and it's called AA for the woman but it it sort of goes across the board I think but there were 15 questions and I ticked 13 of them Uh, I still wouldn't believe that I was an alcoholic coming into the rooms of AA though I did something really stupid that made me go oh my gosh I need to wake up here and see what an you know I did something that terrified me and I thought I need help I need help and so I was desperate I was in that yeah what they say the desperate place I'd been in it before but this time was different for me because I had uh, my child as well so I went down to a meeting I found a meeting and I came into the rooms of AA and I heard people share their stories and I heard my stories Coming out of them It was uh, really bizarre Like all of a sudden I, I, I saw myself I understood um, The relief that I felt Was so huge um, For like the first time in my life That I could remember I actually felt like I had found my people My it was. It was, yeah I felt safe It was very, very odd Anyway, in those rooms that day that first meeting I discovered that I was allergic to alcohol um, and that one drink was too many and 100 was just not enough basically, Uh, it was the the first step in making myself a life that has peace, I have some genuine happiness, Um, I, I don't carry around the shame I used to I give kindness to others. I receive kindness. People people are, I'm just really, yeah, really, really lucky. And during my journey, I've learned that there are um, measuring sticks of alcoholism. Um, I suppose you, different things that you look at and think, hmm, is that normal? Well, you generally find it possibly isn't. So I'm going to read some of those out from this pamphlet. Some of the measuring sticks. Are you drinking in the morning? Are you drinking alone? How much do you drink? The test is not when you drink, or with whom, or how much, or where, or what. Alcohol is alcohol, regardless of what it's flavoured or diluted with, or even why you drink. The real measure is in the answers to these questions. What has drinking done to you? How does your drinking affect your family, your home, your job, your schoolwork, your social life, your physical well-being, your inner emotions? Trouble in any one of these areas suggests the possibility of alcoholism. It need not be devastating trouble at first. Some alcoholics start out as social drinkers, enjoying a large capacity for liquor <laughs> and literally feeling no pain. Others experience typical alcoholic symptoms from the very beginning. If you are what we call functioning and covering up the effects of your drinking, ask yourself how much effort. How much sheer willpower is involved in the cover-up? Is the effect worth the effort? Is there any real fun left in drinking? Alcoholism is a progressive illness. Late starting or early, the drinking gets more and more out of control. Indeed, the very attempt to control it can become an all-consuming preoccupation. Drinking only wine or beer promising oneself to drink only on weekends. Spacing drinks. These are only a few of the methods devised by drinkers to try to control their alcohol intake. Such white-knuckled ruses of themselves is classic a symptom of alcoholism as the shattering hangover or the frightening blackout. At any point in the downward progression of the illness called alcoholism, you can get off and stay off, simply by reaching out for help and becoming willing to face your problem. It doesn't matter whether you are 15 or 50, rich, poor, college, graduate, high school, dropout, self-supporting, sheltered in a family household, a patient in a treatment facility, a prison inmate or a street person. Help is available, but you must make the decision to ask for it. And that's where AA came in. Well, it did for me anyway, so I'm not reading from a pamphlet now. <laughs> yeah, AA came in, they, like there are no application forms to sign, there's no admission fees, you don't have anything to pay, you're not going to be asked to subscribe to any formal course of treatment. You'll simply meet other men and women who have found a way to free themselves from their dependence on alcohol and, and they've begun to repair the damage it has done to their lives. And that's what's happened to me. And, you know, yeah, I feel like I've been given a bit of freedom. Um, And I have to say, it it can be yours as well if you want it. Uh, It's out there. Just walk into one of the rooms. For me, personally, walking into the rooms of AA, um, I realised I wasn't alone. And, yeah, for me, after feeling like that for years and years and years... It was the gift of my new life today. I don't feel alone, like I'm going along and struggling all the time on my own. Anyway, let's have a little bit of music, I think, after that moment. And we are going to go with another pick, pretty groovy pick from our young one. (music) that had the toes tapping going for it love it love it you are listening to the AA live show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM oh my gosh the crazy season is almost upon us Ah, Christmas it's coming guys it is uh, less than a month away now the holiday party season Well it's meant to be fun and a joyous occasion right that brings family and friends together but that cannot always be the case. It can bring up huge moments of stress and anxiety and especially if you're having a bit of uh, challenging times with drinking or you've sobered up and everybody around you is drinking. Now if you are in recovery you know the broad spectrum of holiday emotions can really challenge your recovery so what I did is I went through and found a few things that I thought I'd read out might help you um things that you can think about when you get to that um, point maybe you're going to relapse you know we don't want that to happen um it is party season holiday season it's not inevitable But it doesn't have to end in a relapse. If you're in recovery from alcohol addiction, uh, there are steps you can take to stay healthy and stay safe. So be aware of potentially triggering situations and know how to prepare for them. You know, you've got some work to do as always. So remembering that uh, our journey in sobriety, there's never any rest for, uh, you never stop working. So here's a couple of tips for those stressful times. So that you can uh, continue with some sobriety. Remember, there is no rule that's saying you must attend every party that you're invited to. You can say no. Your health and stability are far more valuable than one night of holiday celebration. So please do say no. Uh, you could bring a friend with you, that's always a great chance. You can, you could. Get out, get out of the party together. You know, you could even ask your sponsor to accompany you, maybe. Discuss your concerns ahead of time with your sponsor. Make concrete plans for how you'll respond, both of you, uh, if you find yourself slipping. Bringing someone along who actually understands your sobriety can also help. Uh, they can hold yourself, you know, it you helps you hold yourself accountable. Uh, it can make you feel stronger too and more supported, so it's not a bad thing. If you're travelling for the holidays, getting on the road, going for that wonderful road trip, reach out to the people you're close to and explain to them that you may need some extra support during the holidays. Check out where the latest where, where the meetings are in the area that you're going to. Ask your support people, you know, would it be okay to contact them every now and then? You can even ask them to check on you if you like. You know, it's not a hard one. Yeah, looking up those local meetings is really important. It's it's easy to get overwhelmed by the holiday season. Uh, confiding in others who are also in recovery it can help you relieve some of that stress. So yeah, get to a meeting. AA meetings are held every day of the year Christmas even Christmas Day there's meetings let's go and listen to speakers talk of gratitude and the real spirit of giving that is outlined in step 12 plan those meeting attendances ahead of time if you can Uh, it means that you'll hold yourself accountable maybe a little bit more Um, long before you even arrive and build it into your holiday schedule. I'm sure family and friends wouldn't mind. They'd understand. If you're at a party, or that work do, have a pre-planned response. If you expect to be offered a drink, think how will you respond. Simple, firm, no thank you is actually enough. Keep it simple. Uh, I'm not drinking tonight. or I have to get an early start to my day tomorrow thanks though or, or don't say a word keep a non-alcoholic drink with you during the party this way whenever someone says you yeah, would you like a drink you can simply hold up your beverage indicating that you're not ready for another drink or you could do that bizarre thing and say yes I'd love a drink I'll have a water with lemon thanks or a well, a fizzy drink. I was going to say someone's, uh, a, a, an actual company's name then, but I thought better of it. Look, very few people will press anything alcoholic on you. And saying that though, as an alcoholic in recovery, I used to do that quite a bit. It's a, not a good thing. You know, but if they do, just simply say, not right now, thank you. But, you know, a fizzy drink will hit the spot, or Coke, or lemonade, or, or whatever's your fancy. I actually always say to people, (laughs) whenever they say, they get a little bit antsy about the fact that I don't drink alcohol anymore. I I always say to them, look, I still drink. (laughs) I just drink something different. So, you know, a little bit of humour always helps as well. Remember, you don't need to announce your sobriety unless you want to. Depending on how comfortable you feel about the subject, you might decide to just tell your truth and be done with it, like, no thanks. Even the top shelf stuff isn't tempting enough to make me throw away my sobriety. You know, you can make a joke of it. If you have some strategies prepared in advance, you'll find the situation maybe much easier to navigate. So uh, another one that we have is create an exit strategy. You know. You can't always predict how a situation will play out or how you'll feel. Having an extra exit, exit, having a bit of trouble with that word, exit strategy for potentially stressful holiday situations, it's essential. You know, maybe your babysitter needs to get home, you say, oh, must, must rush or you have to wake up at the crack of dawn for an appointment or... Yeah, you know, there's nobody home to, to walk the dogs, you better go. You can even arrange for a friend to call during the event you know, that you're at to say, hey, I've got to go, I've got to call. You know, having a plan B ready, um, yeah, it allows you to be able to gracefully bow out if you need to. You can always exit with an Irish goodbye too, that's when you sneak out without telling anybody. <laughs> Uh, this might seem rude to you, but look, honestly, sometimes at those Christmas parties and gets to get-togethers, people don't even notice. Uh, it's okay to handle that question a few days later of, where did you get to? You, it's okay. If that helps you, go for it, I say. I personally found it uh, good to go without a bag. Then, for one of my things, that I can just say cheers to the people i'm talking to gotta to go and leave without having to worry about picking up a bag and a coat Yeah, you know, i, I minimize what i need i fit it into my pockets there's my key my money card my phone and a little bit of lippy so yeah putting a bag i've always found as a female putting a bag over my shoulder it's kind of kind of obvious people go are you leaving where are you going you know join the party but um uh, Yeah, if I just look like I'm walking out towards to the bathroom, I find it always helps. So those were my little tips for today. I hope you enjoyed them. Now I'm going to read someone's story for you today and do a bit of a a share. This is one of the stories that I found in the pamphlet for the AA for the woman that I was reading earlier. This is called, I can do it myself. I'm more intelligent. She is sleeping in my home, my new AA friend. When she was brought here, she was drunk and unconscious. A nearly empty bottle of sleeping pills had been found close to her body. She was brought to me because I am a doctor and an alcoholic. I am not sure when I became an alcoholic. In my teens, I went to dances. My brother's friends told him to invite me because I only needed a few drinks to be merry and happy but most of the time, when people around me were happy, I was sad. After I got my first job as an intern in surgery, I was invited to a party with other hospital staff. I got so drunk on one glass of wine that I fell over a little table. My best friend was shocked and told me, that little lady doesn't drink like that. And you only had to have two glasses of wine. And if she can't handle that, then she's not a lady. I asked what I had to do, and she said, Well, you'll need to practice. So I did that every evening, mostly at home, where my mother said, A lady who drinks so much is not a lady. I kept practicing. The wine seemed to make my efficiency greater. I could work longer at night when I wanted to read or write. I was ambitious and I wanted to be the chief of my hospital. When I was drinking, I was the chief. More than that, I was the most intelligent doctor, the most beautiful woman, the best daughter, the best friend. My career actually did skyrocket, though I kept on drinking. I was never drunk, but never sober either. Then during an unusually long and busy day a colleague said she was going into the common room that's where doctors spend off-duty time, off duty time Sorry, because she needed a drink. That day was the beginning of the end for me. She drank only a little but within six months I was drinking a water glass of vodka every morning. My work got worse and worse and then I let others do it. My mother had been ailing, but I could always find a reason to drink. I knew I had a problem with alcohol. I read medical books about the subject and knew what could happen to my brain. I wanted to stop, but didn't know how. I only knew I had to get away from the hospital before my drinking was discovered. When the opportunity arrived, I bought a private practice and left the hospital. My mother died at the same time. There were no more questions when I came home. How much did you drink? How much did you spend on liquor? I was my own boss. I drank and drank, alone, because my friends had left me. I was no longer the most intelligent doctor, the most beautiful woman. I was alone with my fears. I had to drink. My desperation intensified, and I could see no way out. Finally, a patient reported to the Board of Health that I had been drunk. As a result, I had to see a professor who followed up on such matters, and it was there that a miracle happened. He understood the hell I was living in and gave me a book about alcoholism. Even though I was drinking while I read it, I saw a light of hope. I told him a few days later that I would like to meet the members of Alcoholics Anonymous discussed in the book. A week later I had a phone call from a college friend who had become a psychiatrist. AA is in our town, he said, telling me where and when the meetings were. I found my way to a meeting about two weeks later, but only after taking a drink. I opened the door and there were six men. I listened hard to what they said. What should I do, I asked. I have half a bottle at home and I drank the other half before I came here. I was being honest about my drinking. What had happened? One of the men said, you can do with that bottle whatever you want to do. Drink it or pour it out, it's your life. And for the first time, I was not being forbidden to drink. I finished the bottle that night, but went to the next meeting sober. A new life started. Friends in my group understood me. I felt at home. I found happiness outside my group too. I could do my work, and my patients began to love and respect me. My old friends returned. For 19 months I was happy, but did not work hard on the programme. I did a lot of twelfth step work, helping other alcoholics, but only to escape myself. One day I had an emotional upset and took two tranquilizers. The next day, four, and more in the days after that. I didn't go regularly to meetings. I'm a doctor, I told myself. I know enough about AA. I can do it myself. I have too much work to do. I am more intelligent than the others. I'm a special alcoholic. All the lying and fears that went with drinking came with the tranquilizers. I changed to sleeping pills. One day the bottle was back. My bottle. It was so easy to start. After all, I had heard an AA about the first drink. Nothing Happened for several days so I'm not an alcoholic I decided it was a mistake I do not belong with the people in AA I can handle this I drank more and took more pills and then I hit bottom after a suicide attempt I awoke in my home and found myself still alive I knew I was an alcoholic and I phoned AA friends two days later I met another AA the doctor who is now my husband. I have started to live again. I go to meetings and work the program, which has taught me how to have peace of mind without alcohol or pills. I have again established a relationship with my higher power. Without him, I could not have become such a happy alcoholic. While I have been writing my story, the new AA friend I mentioned at the beginning has awakened. She is alive and has been without a drink for 24 hours. AA works. I hope you enjoyed that story. I was pondering having a look through this pamphlet and that was one that grasped me. Anyway, we're going to go to some tunes again. Enjoy this one. Hope you enjoyed that song as much as I did. I was actually just sitting here thinking about my day yesterday, and I just wanted to share it with you. That there are certain things that happen once you find your sobriety, and I remember that from you know when my son was three years old, and I picked up again, and uh, and it took me. Another five years of drinking before I realised that I shouldn't be drinking. Um, Sorry, another seven years it took me. Hmm. My son rolls his eyes at me when I say things like that. But uh, one of the things I was thinking about is how many birthdays I missed out on and how many occasions I missed out on really seeing and feeling the effect of them and and being present, I suppose, is where I'm going. So for me, yesterday, there was a celebration in our household and we had this fantastic adventure planned. We, we, uh, We got on a plane and we flew across New Zealand to this part of this adventure and the whole time I, I was awake at quarter to six in the morning which was you know I was present <laughs> uh, got up at quarter to six in the morning made a way to the airport got on the plane had a great time with the staff. The person I was travelling with was having a special day and I was able to put their needs and what was good for them first. I wasn't thinking about myself at all. I find through my sobriety that sometimes I've, yeah, I've become really unselfish, which is a really lovely part, place to be in. Anyway, I spoke with the crew on this plane. It was a flight uh six seven six and they were flying out in the morning, I think our flight was at nine forty 940 or nine forty five. And I mentioned this special day, this for this person. And they were so lovely. The captain mentioned it across the uh what do you call that when they talk across the thing, the PA, I suppose that's what it's called. They mentioned a a great celebration, congratulations to this person for their celebration of the day, and the air host team were just lovely, gave a a gift and ensured that uh, my friend had a wonderful day. And it was just such a lovely, lovely place to be. Uh, And and at the end of it all, because... Yeah, my friend is really mad about planes, crazy about planes. This was, this was part of it. It was a bit of a dare. Could we, could we fly across New Zealand in one day and back again? And we did. We did it. And uh, not once did I have a drink. It was fantastic. Anyway, my friend got to go up into the cockpit with the pilots. And he got to sit in the chair and, you know, toggle a few things. Gadgets on the on the desk, or oh, I can't remember what you call it. Not my not my thing. Sorry, but he got to wear the captain's hat, and the, oh, they were all just such lovely people. And we got to our destination. We cruised around for a while. We actually went into like a, a restaurant bar, and I could see other people drinking in the room. And. I had a coffee, Uh, I didn't need to drink, and it was really lovely to be able to be there and talk and be aware of my surroundings. Anyway, across the room from me, there was a couple who were having a few drinks and there was a lot of laughter, loud laughter, and I couldn't help but sit and look at that and think, yeah, I, I used to be that person. And I would have been, and for me I used to start with one and my second one was always the, the one that said oh, I wasn't going to stop. And so I would have been filling in as many as I could uh, before I got on a plane. I never used to like flying, didn't like it. And actually yesterday after the flights I realised why I didn't like it because I didn't feel in any form of control over my body or my mind. I would always be intoxicated on a plane because as far as I was concerned, well, if you're going to go on a plane, you might as well have a drink. You know, it was a reason to celebrate. Uh, or if it was raining, well, we should probably have more just so it's not so bad. Uh, there was always a reason. But uh, I have to say, through my AA sobriety journey, being present for yesterday's celebration and adventure, it was, uh, you know, every day we write a we write or we, we talk to a higher power at the end of the day and we just say thanks for the things we're grateful for. And I was incredibly grateful for being present for that day. It was a long day. There was 12 hours of travelling and... Uh, I got through it all um, and I went to bed with a straight head and I got up this morning with a straight head and I can remember every single bit of it and I can remember the pure joy on my friend's face when they were sitting in the pilot's seat of the plane and that little picture I have in my mind I won't forget because I didn't drink it away. I, uh, I can remember that. And I'll enjoy that memory for some time to come, I think. It was really, yeah, it was a really special day. So I have to tell you, sobriety, if you're looking at it, it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have. All right, I'm going to read another letter from somebody for you. It's called Sobriety and the Search for Fellowship. And this is all going back to that level of attraction that we were talking about. And this is out of our mainstay book, which was as uh, a magazine that we run through AA. What I needed was to be marooned on a desert island. No stress, no people and no alcohol. Ha I would later learn that this was doing a geographical. I'd been trying to control my drinking in the many ways the alcoholic uses. Not drinking every day, switching around what I drank, limiting the number and the time I started and so on. None of it worked. The more I tried to control it, the more out of control it became. I wanted to start a job that required me to be sober at any given moment. While colleagues had no trouble ensuring their sobriety, it was beyond me. I was, or am, an alcoholic. I had tried hard not to be by avoiding drinking in my teenage years and as a young woman. I did not want to end up like my father. A man who I no longer saw, as he was never sober, and I did not want to have my children exposed to his drinking or drunken, sorry venom, as I was as a child. So here I was in 1989, 37 years old, mother of three children, married, never been in trouble with the law, a capable health professional, and I was living the biggest lie possible. My downhill spiral accelerated the more I tried to control it. Finally, in desperation to get sober, I took what I saw as the most embarrassing and humiliating step of seeking assessment from the National Society of Alcohol and Drug Addiction. But this actually turned out to be the most liberating. I was told I had something like an allergic reaction over which I had no control. While I passed the assessment with flying colours, I was terrified at the thought of not drinking for the rest of my life until i was told i just had to remain sober today that idea i grabbed with both hands i was given some literature which included the 12 steps of alcoholics anonymous and i spent the next nine months listening twice a week to the nsad worker a recovering alcoholic as he reflected on recovery and the 12 steps The belief that the desire to drink would one day leave me kept me buoyant most of the time as I continued to crave alcohol. I read the big book thoroughly and repeatedly and I settled in for the long haul. I returned to good health and muddled on in my chosen work, marriage and family life. While my recovery felt good, I did not know other recovering alcoholics. I had telephoned AA some months before I came into recovery, and with the madness that can grip the alcoholic, when the phone was not answered, I took it as a sign that I should not stop drinking, and I continued to drink. But now I wanted to know how others remained sober and happy, and if the craving went away for them. I began attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, of which there were about three a week in the area where I lived. I came in touch with the slogans and their meanings, the serenity prayer, and particularly the saying, this too will pass, became my cornerstones of my recovery. I really didn't understand the significance of doing all the 12 steps until I had been sober for some years, (coughs) excuse me, and the concept of service passed me by for many years. I did not get a specific sponsor for some years, but I used to talk to the people who had strong recoveries and they and the stories I heard at each meeting became very much part of my everyday thoughts and actions. Today I have a deeply connected understanding of my higher power. The significance of this and the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous form the other cornerstones of my recovery for which I am grateful on a daily basis. And thanks Maggie for that, that was wonderful. That brings us down to the uh, quiet end of our show today and it's been really lovely hanging out with you this evening. Thank you so much. I just wanted to let you know there are actually so many meetings on in this country so many meetings all you have to do is jump onto our website which is aa.org.nz here in Dunedin alone we have 14 meetings a week there's lunchtime meetings there's evening meetings look on that website that's aa.org.nz you'll find lists of meetings across the whole of New Zealand now some of them may be zoom meetings So that's a great way to do it too. You can do it in the privacy, do a meeting in the privacy of your own home. It's a nice way to do it. I try and do that once a week. Uh, The other thing that we do here is if you need to reach out for help, you can give us a call on our 0800 number. That's 0800 AA Works. That's 0800 229 6757. This phone line is operated by alcoholics, for alcoholics. So we're answering the phone. Give it a ring in your area. It'll go to your area where you are and somebody will be able to listen and they'll understand where you are and what's happening. We can help. Give us a call. Uh, here alone in Dunedin we have a web address as well www.aaotago.nz and that'll keep you up to date with what's going on in the area. It's been a real pleasure hanging with you this evening. I've enjoyed it. I, uh, well, I was going to close out with a song but I realise I've filled up all the time. So I'd really love you to take care of yourselves out there today and thanks for spending the evening with me and I'd like to thank my two show producers, Jeff and Spencer as well. Until next time folks, Matiwa. Give me a second eye
2: I- but between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies—you know—I'm trying hard to take it back. So if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down, I'll carry you home tonight.
0: This podcast was produced by OrFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.